0: Welcome to Episode 17 of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. I'm Greg Gerber, the founder of Forward From 50, and your host for today's show. Some people experience debilitating trauma in their lives that works to knock them down and leaves them unable to get up again. Other people, like today's guest, Janet Black, Use that trauma to propel them forward to help others experiencing the same type of pain. Janet had been sexually abused as a teenager. She wrote about her experience as part of a long-term healing process. She realized that there were a lot of books and materials for adults pertaining to sexual abuse, but nothing available for teens and children who had been abused. So Janet wrote one, but could not find a publisher willing to embrace that taboo subject. As a result, she tucked it away in a drawer and forgot about it. A nurse by trade, Janet first started delivering babies. Then she became a family nurse practitioner. Unfortunately, as she got older, she developed fibromyalgia, a medical condition which causes increased pain throughout her body and can also result in cognitive issues as well as sleep problems. That created a condition known as fibro-fog, which impacted her memory to the point she stepped away from nursing before she made a mistake that could hurt a patient. Unable to work as a nurse, she turned to writing, dusted off her old manuscript and decided to publish the book herself. Then she wrote another one about living with fibromyalgia to help others better understand what people afflicted with the illness were feeling and experiencing. From there, Janet wrote a book about environmental toxins and weight loss before delving into another book about breast cancer. She even collaborated with her husband, who is also a writer, on a fictional book about a homeless man who decided to change his situation and work his way out of that lifestyle. To tell us more about how different struggles and pain points in her life motivated her to help others, please welcome author Janet Black to the show. Thanks for joining me today, Janet. I really appreciate it. Tell me a little bit about you and where you're from.
1: Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> where I'm from, I've been, I've lived all over the country. I probably spent more time living in California than anywhere else. But yeah, I've been on the East Coast, the West Coast. Um, so lots okay. of different places. But have been in the South for quite a few years now and in North Carolina for the last eight Mm -hmm. years, I think. And where did you grow up? In California? Most, I started out in New York State. Oh, you've (laughs) been, wow, you do have quite (laughs) a history. Yeah, but my dad got tired of shoveling snow. Have
0: you ever been married? Yeah, Yeah. I am married. You are married,
1: okay. okay. Third time. took three tries to get it right.
0: And you got it right, that's great. (laughs) Uh, Do you have any kids or grandkids?
1: I have two sons and I have two grandsons and one granddaughter. And then I have some step sons.
0: You get to spend time with them?
1: Not very often, occasionally, but the closest one is my son in Mississippi. (laughs) and I've got a son in Texas. Those are the closest ones. My husband's kids though are in California.
0: Okay. Oh, before you were 50, what did you do for a living?
1: I was a nurse practitioner.
0: Okay, in, that's a demanding field. Practice. Wow. Do you still do that? No. No? Okay. What did you it like took, about it?
1: It took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. I have 12 years of college, majoring in everything from art to zoology. And eventually, I decided I wanted to be a nurse midwife, so I went to nursing school and then realized that I can't sleep in the daytime, which makes it hard to work at night and babies just don't cooperate by always being born in the daytime. I ended up becoming a family nurse practitioner instead, since I can do that like in the daytime. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, that's what I was doing. And what'd you like about uh, it? I would have continued to do that because I, yeah, I like taking care of patients and I love the interaction and all that and helping people with their health. Okay. And I, like I say, I wouldn't have quit except for I became disabled and I couldn't do it any longer. Okay. Yeah, that would
0: make sense. That's a very demanding job too. A lot of stress in that. How did you handle yeah. that?
1: Well, the big problem was that I developed fibromyalgia. And I was having episodes of what's called viral fog would have fog and I couldn't remember things. I was having to look everything up and I was concerned that it was that I would make mistakes and, and at some point and end up hurting a patient.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. That's, I had to quit.
0: Do you have any hobbies that you pursue
1: or like to do? Yeah, I, I, Sing and play the guitar. Mm-hmm. I dabble with some arts and crafts kind of stuff. And uh, I love to read.
0: Oh, what are your favorite books? Or your favorite uh, I,
1: I have so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read all kinds of things. Do I read fiction. I read fiction. Okay. Lots and lots of different books.
0: Always consuming. What about movies? Do you have favorite movies or genres that you like?
1: I don't know. I... Movies aren't as big of a deal for me. I don't know.
0: I hear that all uh, the time.
1: A, a fair amount of documentaries, I think. Uh, I think It's got a good story and good acting and stuff I enjoy, too.
0: Many people who read a lot say that the movies never do justice to the actual oh, book. Oh,
1: the book is always better. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Uh,
0: of all the places that you've been, are there some fa- places that you've really liked the? To-
1: I've enjo- I, I enjoyed living in Washington state. That's where I practiced as a nurse practitioner and uh, I like being here and I don't know. We've lived in an RV for five and a half years okay. and traveled around the country too.
0: Okay. So did I, that's neat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been in a lot of places. and a lot. Very good.
0: Have you ever taken any tests to identify your personality traits or your
1: natural skills, things like that? Years ago, okay, a yeah. long, long time ago, yeah, when I was in college. Oh, my I goodness. When I took, I, yeah, there there was a class I took trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right? Okay. That gave us a whole bunch of different tests. Super.
0: So before you turned 50, what was the one thing that you were most proud of accomplishing?
1: Um, I'd say probably becoming an under-respect issue. Is that right? That was, yeah, yeah. That's- takes a and, lot of school. Before that, I was a public health nurse for a while. And I enjoyed that too. And yeah, so I don't know. I've just, I've had an interesting career doing lots of things with lots of different kinds of people.
0: Okay. After you turned 50, what did you do that really invigorated you and gave you a sense of
1: purpose? After I couldn't work any longer, mm-hmm. <laughs> I sat around and was depressed for a couple of years. I got Approved for disability on the first try. And no one I knew had ever done that. It's like of all the people I knew, they always got turned down. And they had to really struggle in order to get it. And they gave it to me like right away. And so it's, oh my God, I'm really in bad shape. <laughs> and so I was really pretty depressed about the whole thing. Not only not being able to work, but also the fact that, I, that they thought I was in such bad shape. I was glad to get the disability still. And uh, I don't know, after a couple of, I didn't, I was trying to figure out what to do then. And I, years ago, had written a book and I was working in adolescent psych at the time. And I realized that there was, when I was working with who had been sexually abused, that there was really nothing out there in the way of books that was suitable for them. There was like a couple of things for children. There was a lot of things for adults. There was nothing for teenagers. So I wrote one. And then I couldn't find a publisher. Wow. Actually, one of the publishers that I wrote a query letter to actually used my ID. Oh, really? Yeah. With authors that they already had under contract. Yeah. So that was depressing. So I stuck it in a drawer. I dug it out. And I revised it. And I self-published Okay. And that was fun. But it's, I like this and I've got all this wealth of knowledge. I might as well put it to use. And so I have have written more books since then. I've written a couple on fibromyalgia and I've written one on environmental toxins. I've worked one on weight loss and I'm currently working on one on breast cancer. Wow. And in addition to that, my husband likes to write, but he likes write, what, to write fiction. So we collaborated on a fictional book and, and published that too.
0: Was it a medical thriller by chance?
1: No. no? Okay. <laughs> Actually, it, it's the story of a man who becomes homeless. Okay. Good. Yeah. And then how he adapts to that and then gradually works his way out.
0: Many people don't realize how much work it takes to publish a book. It is an awful lot of writing and rewriting, and you're never really happy with your your work, even after you've published it. You go back and say, "How could I ever (laughs) written something that bad?"
1: (laughs) I forgot something. (laughs) That's right.
0: Exactly. So you've been doing you've been working as a self publisher then since uh, for the last several years. Yeah, very good. And what kinds of things did that entail? Did it uh, did it require any changes to your lifestyle or did you need any additional training for that? No. No?
1: Okay. I mean, I don't know. I, I just figured it out on my own.
0: You learned as you go,
1: right? I out a lot. I read and I. I okay. I it out and did it and was, it was so much better than having to do the traditional publisher thing.
0: Why do you say that?
1: Um, one, you don't have to find a publisher who's willing to publish you. You have not been published before. It's really hard to get anybody to even consider you. Okay. And pretty much have to have an agent. You have, there's all kinds of things involved with that, that it's easier to do it myself. (laughs) Okay.
0: You do your own marketing and things like that as well, correct? When you're self-publishing. Has that been Mm -hmm. a challenge?
1: Uh, I think even with traditional publishers, you have to do some marketing. And I have to admit, I'm not that good at it. And I would sell a whole lot of books. More books if I were. Uh, I work more at that, but I'd rather just write them and put them out there. And, and okay, I've heard from readers how much they've helped.
0: That's a very good point. So when you're writing the books and you're publishing them, you're like just putting them out for sale on Amazon? Are they available yeah. in bookstores yeah. as well through your
1: publisher? They can, they certainly can be ordered from two bookstores, but basically I put them up on Amazon.
0: Okay. And so your decision to write a book was just you went looking for information, didn't find any, and you thought, I've got a bunch of information. And so you put it together in a book, and that's it. Pretty much it. You hire somebody to create a cover for you and lay it out and send it off, and it's published and ready to go. Self-publishing has really changed as an industry in the last couple of years, I think just the ability for anybody to put a book out on the market, but it still requires a lot of of skill to write it and make sure that it's formatted correctly and things like that. That hasn't posed any problems
1: for you? Actually, my husband helps out in that he edits my books. He does? Okay. Yeah. Now, in the case of the one book that we wrote together, we did hire another editor Mm -hmm. um, to help with that process, but I wound up doing a lot of the editing on it.
0: Is it okay working with your husband on that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Super.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was a little touchy in the beginning because it's like he had started on it and he had been like working on it for something like eight years and didn't have that much done. I think, I don't know, I'm trying to remember how many chapters he had written, five or something. Uh, And he really needed some encouragement. And okay. so me getting in there and helping him develop the characters and working on backstories for them and adding stuff in and everything. At first it was like his thing, right? Mm-hmm. No, but he, as he saw that he was benefiting from that. Yeah.
0: Why don't you tell people how authors really benefit by producing and creating their own content?
1: It feels good to have created something. Okay. And especially when you feel like what you've created can help somebody.
0: Exactly. And to
1: educate them or whatever. Um, It's just, it's a good feeling to do that. And I don't know. I have to do something with my creative energy. I I can't just sit around and do nothing. (laughs) I've done a lot of other volunteer kinds of stuff and as well as writing, but uh, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah,
1: it's some, I, and the funny thing is I hated writing when I was younger. If you had told me when I was like 15 or something that I would be an author someday, I would not have believed.
0: I was probably the same way.
1: Yeah. Because when I took English classes and they wanted me to write papers, I hated it with a passion. It wasn't until I got to college and I was taking science classes and they were having me write answers to questions that had to do with science. And that was the first time that I was praised for my writing because I knew what I was talking about and I was could express it. Okay. And I feel like one of the talents I have is being able to take scientific information and medical information and simplifying it so that people can understand. I've had many of my patients tell me that, that when I explained something, it was the first time they really ever understood it.
0: Did you have any problem, like, sharing your story and how this impacted you? Were you apprehensive about doing that?
1: Not really. Not really? Okay. First book was about sexual abuse. I've been sexually abused, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that came out of my own healing process. Okay. And I have talked about that in public forums and things like that so
0: that, can, um, that in itself not, can be therapeutic can uh, it to be able to just get it out of your heart it's inside you've got it bottled up in there and writing can really help you help other people while helping yourselves at the same time
1: yeah i pretty much had gone through the healing process already okay but i'm that i wrote the book um and in fact was even able to work with perpetrators no issues, no triggers, fine. And that's why I felt if I can heal from this, other people can heal from this. And what I have learned would be beneficial to mm-hmm. share.
0: When you told people you wanted to be a full-time author, what did uh, what was their reaction, the people closest to you? Were they supportive? Your hubby I, days.
1: So I didn't, I don't know, as I went around announcing, I think I'll become a, a full-time author. I just... Said, yeah, I'm revising this book and putting it out there. Okay. And my best friend was very supportive, and everybody else was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Nobody tried to talk you out of it to do something more
1: practical? No, good. That's great. Well, let's face it, I was doing nothing before then, doing anything with a good thing. Yeah, nobody uh, sure. had a problem with it.
0: So, how did the decision to become an author really impact your
1: life? Have you noticed it yet? Well, For one thing, I feel productive. feel depressed. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. Uh, It's something I enjoy.
0: Okay. Now, do you add on additional services to this? Are you doing coaching or consulting on the side?
1: I thought about doing coaching, and I finally decided, no, I don't really want to do that.
0: Okay. So you're focused exclusively. I would rather
1: have my time Open to do what I want to do when I feel like doing it, mm-hmm. and you know that coaching clients means scheduling times for them and all that. And I don't know. I just okay. I finally decided no, that's not where I want to go. I would rather just write when I feel like it and do other things when I feel like that, and that way I have time for music and animals and all the other things that I do.
0: Oh, so, a lot of authors they put publish a book expecting that they're going to be uh, selling a, doing a million, uh, a best-selling author, that kind of thing. And very few people really get to that level. But are you able to make enough money to make it worth your while to do that?
1: I don't make a lot of money at it. Okay. And, but that doesn't matter. It's like, I'm not going to starve if nobody buys my books because I have an income anyway coming in. hmm because now I'm getting a little bit of a pension for one of my jobs. And I'm in addition to the social security and my husband also gets disability. And so we're living comfortably. Okay.
0: So you've got the rent. You've got a place to live and you've got food on the table. So you're using Uh, your time to help other people, not necessarily to get rich. You're just finding a fulfillment within your heart to be able to go out there and share your story or your research with other people and knowing that it's going to impact them in in a better way.
1: Yeah, that's okay. exactly it. And that's the attitude I had as being a nurse practitioner too. I wanted to help people, and I actually ran into a little frustration with a physician that I worked with one time, and in, in that uh, he was all about figuring out how to make more money, and I wasn't, and that used to just frustrate him half to death, but. What can I? When it's on your heart to help people. It's... One time, insulted me by saying you think like a nurse.
0: <laughs> That's probably a good thing, right?
1: Yeah, it is. And even one of the physician in my training program, when he was came to give a lecture to us, was saying how much he liked working with nurse practitioner students more than medical students. Because they did have more of a, I want to go out and help people attitude. Okay. Whereas like well- students were more like, oh, the challenge and, the, but, and also the income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of
0: people passionate about things, but they get sidetracked because of the income. They're told, often coached by people who are close to them, they're well-meaning, telling them to go into something more practical because you can't get any money like that. But you were created to be a writer. It sounds like, and you discovered yeah. that late well, in the
1: what The coaching thing was that was, it was, I was in a mastermind group that was like encouraging me to do all these different things to make money. Right. And finally it's, I don't know. That's just not who I am. And, and I'm old now.
0: I mean, <laughs> I would hardly <laughs> say that you're old, but,
1: I'm in my 70s. Are you really? Okay. Okay. Very good. Yes. I don't need to do all those other things if I don't want to. Um, This is a time of life that it's like I don't have that much more time left. I want to enjoy it. I figure I'm going to at least live into my 90s. But still, it's time to enjoy life and not get stressed out about things.
0: I agree with that. Well, there are some costs associated with publishing a book. You've got the cover design and the interior design and all that kind of stuff. Are you Most able?
1: Most of which I do myself.
0: You do it all by yourself. Do you really <laughs> design your own covers and things like that? So you have an artistic bent to you as well? Oh, yeah.
1: I majored in art at one point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Like I said, everything from art to zoology. Yeah.
0: <laughs> You've done it all, a little bit of everything. That's great. Did I really have? Did, yeah. Did this cause any challenges or create any challenges for you? Not too not much,
1: really? no. Okay, well, not right, really. Right, yeah, good. and just flow, just happen, and work.
0: If you so, were to start over as an author, is there something that you would have done?
1: I could have published the first book a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, but,
0: I think that's yeah. a very good point, right there. Is because a lot of people will write a book and send out a couple of queer inquiries to see if they could get it published, get a bunch of rejections. And then that's it. They get to feel that they have no worth that what they're saying really doesn't matter. Nobody will be interested in things like that. But you're finding that you're publishing the stories, writing just about things you're interested in and things that have impacted you. You're sharing that story and other people are buying the books and finding help. As a result of that. And that's worth more than money many times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super. And it's also having an impact on others. You said that you've heard from people who've read your book. Books? Yes. Okay. What are some of yeah. the things they've said?
1: Yeah. For example, one person said that she gave one of my books to her father to read about a condition that she's got. And that he said to her, oh, my God, I never understood before. Okay. What you were going And like with the homelessness novel, people have said how it really opened their eyes. The people who actually work with the homeless said how realistic it was and how true to life. Mm -hmm. And I can't say that I've really gotten negative feedback. I've gotten positive feedback on everything that I've written.
0: How did you write a book on homelessness without being homeless yourself?
1: My husband Was he really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. He went through a period of homelessness years ago. And that was what made him passionate about wanting to write it. You write from your pain. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Because people do not understand, and they need to. Mm -hmm.
0: That's right. You bleed ink is what you need to do from the wounds that you have. And share that story with other people, because it'll help you. And it looked like it really did, as well as help other people who are struggling and saying, what do I do? Or they don't feel that they can do it. And then they see or hear about somebody like yourself who's gone through it. And they say, my goodness, if she did it, I can do. Are there any other things on your adventure list that you hope to accomplish in the second half of your life?
1: We hope at some point after this pandemic is over to do some traveling.
0: Where would you like in to America. go?
1: I want to go to Europe. Okay. My parents were from there. What country? The UK. Okay. My dad was Scottish. My mom was Welsh. Uh, and I still have family over there. And then, of course, my brother lives in Spain. And his daughter married a Spaniard. And so they go over there quite a bit, too. And uh, my husband' background is from Denmark. And it would just be a lot of fun, I think, to go over there. I also have family in Australia, but I'm less inclined to go there. I'd rather go to Europe.
0: Very good. How would you define retirement? What does that look like for you?
1: To me, retirement doesn't mean you quit doing things. It just means that you figure out maybe different things that you'd rather do instead of what you were doing for a living. It's a time to really open up and explore your opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. So many people that find all kinds of enjoyment doing volunteer work and such when they're retired.
0: You said that your brother also had a change of lifestyle as well after he turned 50.
1: Yeah. 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 Because he started playing flamenco when he was like in his 20s, I think. Uh, long, long time ago. and. He'd done it here and there, off and on, but he always had another job that he did, even though he did make, he did do some performing and, and make some money. But the thing is, he would go over to Spain and they would tell him he was the only American they'd ever heard him he how to sing it properly. Really? Plus, he is so good with the guitar that he accompanies other singers. And they actually paid his way over there, I think, to some festival one time when he was living in California. That's neat. And yeah, he moved over there and he is just as happy as can be. He loves the culture. He loves the music. He loves all of it. Mm. And he's happier than he's ever been in his entire life. Okay.
0: What legacy do you hope to leave? Or in other words, how do you want people to remember you?
1: I'm hoping that people will recognize that my life revolves around caring about others and trying to make their life better and trying to help other people with their health and that my books will mm-hmm. help. Okay,
0: very good. Do you have any advice for people who are over 50 to either help them identify or pursue their passions?
1: I think it, it's, you just look at what is it that you like? What brings fulfillment? What do you enjoy doing? and then figure out a way to do more of it.
0: That's like <laughs> you said, you've got more time now. As a general rule, people are more financially secure when they get a little older. and
1: Not necessarily. Not necessarily. I know a lot <laughs> of that are, especially women, who are barely making it. Mm-hmm. But even they still follow their passions. One of the things that I care about, too, is the environment. And I know quite a few ladies that are very involved in that movement Uh, and uh, I care about animals and I know a lot of people that are involved with rescue and all of my dogs are rescues. I've got five. Okay. (laughs) And uh, I've also got guinea pigs and chickens. I love animals. Can I say I, at one point I was thinking of becoming a veterinarian and that's why I was majoring in zoology
0: why did you get? If, if you like animals so much, why did you uh, not pursue that as a life earlier in your life?
1: I actually spent some time riding around with a large animal event because I had no large animal experience. Okay. And if you don't have large animal experience, it's harder to get into veterinary school than it is medical school.
0: I've heard that.
1: A lot really? harder. Yes, there's not that many schools. Okay. So they're looking for people who they need more large animal veterinary people. And so they looked for that. So I spent a summer riding around with a large animal vet, talking to other people who were trying to become veterinarians. And that's when I really learned about how hard it was to become one. The other thing was one of the things I've always liked about animals is delivering babies. Well, you don't get called out to the delivery as a veterinarian, unless it's a real crisis in. There's a high risk of something dying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You don't get to go do normal deliveries. (laughs) Uh, That's where I was going into the midwifery field and wanting to deliver babies.
0: And the cow is in
1: the whole process of that. So
0: when the cow is in labor, you just guide her over to the stall and let her have at it. You don't have a team of people around her rubbing her (laughs) off. And encouraging her through the process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Right. Okay. Yeah, I was a childbirth educator at one point, too.
0: It sounds like you have had a lot of experience and variety of jobs, et cetera, over the life. Do you you like having that kind of variety?
1: I love variety, yeah. Mm-hmm. In one job, and when I was working in public health, I worked for TB Control, and I was working with people who had come here as refugees. And so I was working with at one point, I figured out I had people from 12 different cultures in my caseload.
0: 12 different cultures.
1: Wow. Uh, it was like international travel on a daily basis, but you got to go home and sleep in your own bed.
0: Yeah. Did you have to learn different languages?
1: No, I had translators. Okay. That helped. I to tried to struggle sir, with a little bit of Spanish, I know, but with some, in some cases. But I had Somalis, lots of Somalis in my caseload, some Sudanese, Ethiopians. I had a lot of people from Vietnam, Laos, all kinds of different nationalities—Russians, Chinese. Oh. Okay, very good. Sounds so, like yeah, it was it was it was a really interesting job.
0: Sounds like a way to have a mission without ever leaving America.
1: The thing is, I got to learn about all those different mm-hmm. cultures, and so that was like really a lot of I don't know. I just find that fascinating. Learn mm-hmm. about people and all that's great i enjoyed that a lot
0: thank you very much janet i really appreciate the time and i thank you for sharing your story thank you i appreciate janet black for being so vulnerable and describing some very painful physical and emotional issues that have been impacting her life for many years for janet it feels really good to create something from nothing especially when it's a book that helps someone else doing so almost became an obsession or sense of duty for her because Janet knew she had to do something with her creative energy instead of just sitting around all day doing nothing. Although Janet has volunteered for different projects in the past, she said it feels even better to know that something she wrote is actually helping to educate people about a topic she's interested in writing about. She hears from readers all the time how refreshing it was to read something from the perspective of a person who'd experienced the same trauma, yet was able to move beyond that point. At the very least, readers realize they were not alone in dealing with their problem, Janet explained. They are empowered simply by knowing someone else struggled with the same problem, and they encourage encouraged by just hearing that person's story. After having to step away from nursing, becoming an author really helped Janet to feel productive, and she no longer harbored feelings of depression brought on by a lack of purpose. She may not make a lot of money writing books, but that's not the point of her purpose. Janet doesn't write to get rich, but rather to find fulfillment in her heart and to share her research or personal stories knowing it will impact someone else in a better way. Janet said retirement doesn't mean you just quit doing things. It means you identify different things you could do instead of whatever you did for a living. It's time to really open up and explore opportunities. If you have some income, then when you're retired, you usually have plenty of time. Retirement is the ideal time to engage in things you've always wanted to do for years, but kept pushing it to the side. Today, Janet is in her 70s and feels called to research and write about topics she's especially interested in learning about herself. Janet feels she will live well into her 90s, but in order to do that, she must enjoy life and not get stressed out about things. That's solid advice for everyone concerning all that's going on in the world around us. People can connect with Janet at www.janetblack.com. All of her books are available on amazon.com. That's all I have for this week's show. If you'd like help in identifying a purpose for your life or to get help planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward From 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. Next week, I will be speaking with a retired pastor who helps other pastors prepare for the future by pursuing business ideas that create income or expand their sense of purpose. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you download the episodes.